Ah, hello, Jonathan here from Vancouver again. And in today's podcast, we wave the teary-eyed goodbye to our friends in TK Offshore as we put into effect the conscious uncoupling, to steal a phrase from Gwyneth Paltrow, of TK Offshore from the rest of the TK group. Jingle, 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 jingle. In case you have yet to hear the news and where have you been, our friends in TK Offshore no longer have a shared ownership structure as those of us in the rest of the TK group. Ingville um, and I, we kind of reflected uh, on, on the transaction and what it really means. And uh, I think if there are uh, a two people in this organization that probably have the most mixed emotions about it, it's probably her and I. That's the voice of TK CEO Kenneth Vid referring to his conversation with TK Offshore CEO, Ingvild Sater, following the sale of the last part of TK's ownership in TK Offshore Partners to Brookfield in April 2019. More from Kenneth and Ingvild throughout this retrospective. TK Offshore is currently 80-something percent owned by Brookfield, and they are in the midst of seeking a 100% buyout of the TK Offshore stock. The rest of TK no longer has any offshore skin in the game, so to speak. Only we do, of course. We still share a logo, some asset projects, some services, our spirit values, and a cupboard full of memories of an amazing shared journey over the last 20 years. Gave me the bottle and I thought I just have to bang it in. So I threw the bottle and it exploded. And uh, the crew on deck they were giving a big applaud. And uh, the captain said that uh, this was the most amazing throwing of a champagne bottle. The offshore chapter in the history of TK is meaty, beaty, big and bouncy. It's been a ride. I'm standing in a bush. I'm waiting to shoot a moose. So I'm going to be on the call, but if you hear it drop and uh, and you hear some gunfire, don't worry. I'm just moose hunting. So let's take a trip down memory lane together. There's a lot to cover, so strap in for the next 30 minutes or so as we share with you an incomplete history. To discuss the offshore chapter in TK's storied history, we have to start with Jim Collins' seminal leadership book, Built to Last. TK CEO around the millennium, Bjorn Muller, was a convert to Collins' rhetoric about the BHAG acronym. A big, hairy, audacious goal. Bjorn set a BHAG to be a global leader in four shipping arenas, where TK was then a leader in one, the Pacific Basin tanker trade. This meant diversification. The execution of the BHAG began in Norway with the $450 million fleet purchase of tanker competitor Bona Shipping in the late 90s. Bona's fleet was active in the Atlantic trade. TK was now the leading Aframax tanker company in two major markets. Bonus chairman, Leif Hoy, joined TK's board, and TK had a bridge into Norway's shipping fraternity. 
TK was on the offshore radar. For bonus staff, a competitor had overnight become an employer. Some, like Bernd Lillestrol, embraced the opportunity. We were acquired and moved over to Vancouver and I was part of this, uh, let's say, team or rather new team that was being built in Vancouver to set out to be one of the greatest shipping company. It was an amazing energy. It was like a united nation of uh, people who were really committed under one goal of building one of the uh, best shipping companies in the, in the world. And uh, we had an enthusiastic CEO and, and uh, the leadership team was just united uh, to, to really make this uh, happen. In fact, TK's first toe dipping in offshore operations was in an unlikely location, Australia, and an unplanned project with the ownership and management of the FSO, which is a floating storage and offtake vessel, Dampier Spirit. TK was supposed to provide the hull for an FSO conversion project, but when the lead partner pulled out at the last minute, TK stepped up and took over the whole project. Kenneth Vid recalled. So I guess when, when, when I joined TK back in, in 2000, one of the, the guys that we just hired at, at the time was uh, Peter Webb. And, uh, he was running this art uh, project together with David Glendinning where we were doing our first uh, FSO uh, conversion projects. And, uh, and I thought I joined a tanker company, but uh, it became very clear that, that both David and Peter uh, had an ambition to, to do something more in offshore. It was a sign of TK's ambition and its belief that they could take the TK skill set and apply it to new arenas in pursuit of its BHAG. Over the years, TK picked up various FSO projects around the world from Australia's west coast to Thailand, Qatar and the North Sea, and used old oil tanker tonnage as conversion hulls to usefully extend the life of vessels beyond the usual 20-year life cycle. Indeed, Dampier Spirit was converted from Frontier Spirit, TK's first ever new building in 1987. Next up in pursuit of BHAG was Offshore with a capital O. And Offshore meant back to Norway, the preeminent country in the offshore space. Kenneth continued. But it was also clear from Bjorn that he wanted to do something different from just being in, in oil tankers. And, uh, and that was really what kind of uh, us on to looking at, well, what, what's, what's kind of adjacent, what's offshore, what's something where we can use our, our tanker credentials. Um, so that, I would say, really was what, what brought us uh, to, to Norway. Navion was the crown jewel of Norwegian shipping as the state oil company, Statoil Shipping Company. Around Navion, the offshore shipping sector had built out a set of subcontractors, chief among them another Norwegian mainstay, Ugland Nordic Shipping, UNS. TK came to play, and after a few dances around with the UNS management team and an intensive due diligence process, eventually got their $700 million prize. Never say that TK is not a quick learner and able to deal with cross-cultural differences. Art Benzler, newly minted at the time as TK's chief legal counsel, recalls one of the many memorable UNS negotiation calls. This was moose hunting season. And so I remember one due diligence call, we were, we were, we were sitting there and Jan Eric was kind of whispering. He says, I'm standing in a bush. I'm waiting to shoot a moose. So I'm going to be on the call, but if you hear it drop and, I, and you hear some gunfire, don't worry. I'm just moose hunting. So, so 
uh, throughout the rest of that call, of course, we're, we're waiting to hear uh, Jan Erik Langang report whether he killed a moose or not. And, and of course, nothing happened. But uh, it wasn't much later, I think it was uh, maybe on the next week's call, then uh, we, we asked Jan Erik, okay, how's the moose hunting going? He said, oh, it's excellent. The, my, my wife shot two moose this morning as they walked across our front yard. <laughs> Never a dull moment. BHAG Part 3 was taking shape and a year later was delivered with the purchase of that Norwegian shipping crown jewel, Navion. For a foreign company to win out in a highly politicised sale environment for Stator was a showcase of the commitment of the TK management team to impress everyone and make promises it would keep. The Stator lead, Irvin Overland, remarked, we were entrusting the movement of Norway's oil to the winner. No pressure. Gulp. Digging through the archives, we found this audio from Stein Ring, who at the time was working for Navion and who would, for many years, play a senior role in the merged TK Navion company. I remember the first time I spoke to Bjorn, that was a winter day in March, I think it was, in 2001. He called uh, saying that uh, TK had just bought Hugland uh, Nordic shipping. And I, at that time, was on my winter break. Uh, and skiing in the Norwegian mountains, and of course, Ugla Nordic Shipping with Herbert Hansson. They were our biggest uh, supplier of shuttle tankers, and Bjorn said that you just want to phone me because uh, there will be business as usual. And uh, little did I know that uh, two years later, uh, Navin was also part of this. So I think actually you might argue that by 2003, uh, the shuttle tanker segment has already reached the BHAG because we were definitely the, the biggest and also the best in the world at that time. TK committed to Stavanger via a $760 million check, which included the bank DNB's largest ever single loan commitment. Overnight, TK was the world's leader in shuttle tankers. Materiality rules of publicly traded companies meant that, once again, the employees were the last to know. On Monday morning, they met with their new bosses, Bjorn, TK chairman, Sean Day, and its CFO, Peter Anturi, who had become the division president. Ulaga, sadly missed, was one of the people there, and he remembered TK's CEO, Bjorn Muller, as a man on a mission. Remember the first town hall meeting when Bjorn met with the Stavanger team for the first time. He was willing to listen and take input, but at the same time, we all felt that this was the man with a firm grip on the tiller and the direction to sail was set. Part of the winning strategy was the commitment of TK to Stavanger, Norway's oil capital. Ingvild Sather was another who was at that town hall meeting. She recalls the respect TK earned among staff and across the city. They, they had a meeting with the mayor in Stavanger uh, at that first day and the mayor said, do you plan to keep the activity in Norway? And Bjorn and Sean answered, yes, we want to build and expand our activity in Norway. And when I, even when I meet the former mayor today, he remember that meeting and he, he is still talking about how TK kept the word. And I think that is something that the whole organization have seen and experienced. Uh, that TK, <laughs> we, ha we put a high value on keeping our words. The team remained, the office remained, and became the focal point for TK Offshore. 
for a company infamous for its internal acronyms, the shuttle operations took it to the next level with their name. TK Navion Shuttle Tankers and Offshore. TNSTO. The N, Navion, stayed around long after their fleet was amalgamated into TKs as a sign of respect for that franchise and its association with its previous owner, the Norwegian National Oil Company. The connective tissue between Stavanger and TK and shuttle tankers was established. Eventually, TNSTO became TOL, TK Offshore Logistics. However, the Navion name lives on in the fleet. Although some of the older Navion tonnage has been recycled, there's still a handful of Navion name ships, such as Navion Oslo and Navion Stavanger. As more operations were concentrated in Norway, some overlap and complexity emerged. It was decided in 2008 to merge the shuttle tanker operations into Stavanger. This meant that the Grimstad operations location, where the Ugland Nordic team had been based, was folded into the Stavanger operations hub, with the loss of many colleagues who elected not to move with the relocation. In 2010, the first of the Explorer-class shuttle tanker new buildings, Amundsen Spirit, was named in the Stavanger Harbour, the vessel towering over the cityscape. Kenneth Vid, then president of TNSTO, saw it as a culmination of all the TK and Navion hard work done up to that point. I think it's been fun to watch how we've taken all of the experience that we've built up, both in the Navion organization, but certainly also in the, the conventional side of the technical organization. And somehow we've blended all of those uh, competences into the product that we have now delivered with the Amazon Spirit. And uh, then to have the, the, the kind of culmination of it all, where we this year actually took the vessel into the harbor of, of Stavanger and, and, and named it. Uh, in, in port, we had all our employees and a number of customers and uh, just local representatives from town. It was just a, a fantastic experience to, uh, to be part of. It was indeed a proud moment in TK's offshore history and set to be topped the following year, as we will discuss later in part two of this trip down memory lane. With leadership in the North Sea, it was time to seek new horizons. And the natural place to activate was Brazil, on the cusp of their world leadership in oil production. Alex Tischendorf had joined TK via the Ugland Nordic acquisition. From the archives again, he remembers the decision to go south. After the acquisition of Ugland Nordic shipping by uh, TK in 2001, when Bjorn Müller, uh, when we held our first board meeting with Bjorn Müller in attendance, uh, we'd been asked to present a uh, strategy plan for the potential uh, shuttle tanker market on a worldwide basis. Uh, in this uh, strategy uh, discussion, uh, Brazil presented itself as a uh, primary target and we were instructed to go out and try to develop the shuttle tanker market in this virgin offshore development area. Um, one year later, we had our first vessel in operation. It was the Nordic Sabonita, and she's still in operation there today. And in, today, in uh, 2010, we actually have 12 vessels on contract in Brazil, and we have an 80% market share of the shuttle tanker market in Brazil. Now, that is what I would call a BHAG success story. Alex, who recently retired from heading up the TK Offshore East Coast Canada office was also charged with setting up shop in Rio. 
By 2006, our operation had grown to eight vessels, and uh, the board of TK then decided that uh, with the growth potential that was here in Brazil, it was necessary to have a full office down here. So uh, we established an office in 2007, and uh, today we have um, 13 uh, contracts for vessels here in Brazil. TK and Offshore was going global, a trend that the company embraced, as Kenneth Vid recalled from his time heading up the shuttle franchise from Stavanger. Clearly, our business development efforts uh, could be much, much uh, better spent in, in Brazil. And that was when we decided to, to move Alex uh, down, which I think was around 2008. Shortly after came TK um, uh, Petrial, and, and uh, before we knew it, we had uh, joint ventures and we were pursuing big uh, FPSO projects and we were opening up shore bases uh, everywhere. So when, when you think about uh, the transition we went through those years, uh, I mean, we, we went from always having embraced that we had international crews on board our ships, but suddenly we had to embrace that we had uh, nationalities all over the world uh, that were running uh, significant offices. And, and I think that really uh, was an exciting uh, time for TK in terms of, of really developing our international mindset. Offshore domination, certainly in shuttle tankers, was taking shape. Soon thereafter, the first four Brazil-focused new buildings were ordered, the first for an international oil co. in Brazil. Naranjan Duranda from the TK sales and purchase team recalls the project fondly. Yeah, it was an opportunity to sort of uh, showcase uh, what we could do as part of the, you know, one TK or the wider TK brand, where it was a team effort through and through and uh, everyone, you know, from Norway, as you say, Brazil, Vancouver, and Asia sort of made a combined effort to, uh, to sort of get us that job. So yeah, it was, it was very much, uh, it was a great team to be part of. So that was a, a great learning experience as well. And uh, even with the sort of geographical dislocations, if people are of the similar mindset and are shooting for a common goal, then it doesn't matter where you're, where you're located. So it's been very welcoming and uh, rarely, rarely do you ever face barriers in terms of team environment or decision making. Uh, I think we've learned a lot in that space. Uh, in fact, if anything, the relationships have got stronger over the last 10 years and uh, they continue to strengthen. From 2015 to today, uh, we have done another 10 shuttle tankers. And obviously what we did back then, uh, you know, showcased what we were able to do and that's continued ever since, which, is, which has been great. It was all go in the first decade of the 2000s at TK. And out of scope here was TK's entry into the gas shipping business in 2004. The offshore story further developed with another segment investment in oil and gas production. Having built a strong position into its customers' offshore value chain through its shuttle tanker and FSO vessels, it was a logical step to extend TK's service offering by entering the floating production storage and offtake, the FPSO business. It started with a joint venture with established industry player Petriar. However, the offshore market was alive with M&A activity, and after a competitor unexpectedly bought a large stake in Petriar, TK had a choice to make. With the growth of deep water drilling and exploration, the need for floating units versus pipelines was growing too. TK saw this as the natural expansion of its service offering and the delivery of its BHAG. TK decided to act. Ex-CEO Peter Evanson recalls the quick actions required to head ProSafe off at the pass. 
in a project named Viking by the TK team. We wanted to get involved in the FPSO area. We had done a joint venture with Petriol, which didn't cost us any money. And then one day we woke up in August and ProSafe had started to buy shares in Petriol with the idea that they would take it over. This would have meant that we either had to purchase Petriol when there was already an existing suitor, or we had to give up our ambitions for a while to be in the FPSO area. So Bjorn flew to Stavanger for the ONS convention. I flew to Oslo. And we worked on it all day separately. Bjorn was at the convention, and then he was at dinner with the Crown Prince of Norway, and he kept slipping away to call me. In the meantime, I was with the investment banks in Oslo seeing if we could mount a takeover offer and trump the bid that we know ProSafe was coming with. So Bjorn was at a concert, sitting next to the CEO of Norsk Hydro at the time, excused himself, called me in Oslo and said, okay, let's do it. I was sitting by that time at dinner with my cousin, enjoying a nice piece of pizza. I get this call. The next call she hears me is calling Greg Romanek in Vancouver and saying, Greg, do we have $100 million cash? And having gotten the affirmative on that, I then called DNB, who was our advisor, and we proceeded to buy shares in what was a nighttime raid. Usually they call it dawn raid, but we woke up that day and we bought 25% of the shares and we went on to take control of, of uh, Petriol. TK Petriol was so created and slotted neatly into the TK offshore portfolio. And meanwhile, BHAG was delivered. Before TK's engagement, Petriol had four North Sea FPSOs, compared to today's ownership or operations of 11 in the North Sea and increasingly in Brazil. That fleet includes a unit, the FPSO Petriol Canar, that cost $1.5 billion, the biggest ever investment into a single vessel across the TK companies. I hereby name this vessel Petroyal Canar. I wish you, your crew, and your owners a long life of happy and prosperous production. May God be with you and with all your crew. The sheer scale and complexity of some of the floating units is overwhelming. Some colleagues in the subsequent build of a similar project for the billion-dollar Pioneera de Libra FPSO conversion describes some of the stats. I am extremely proud uh, of the team and uh, what everybody's uh, accomplished here. Everybody's getting involved in and contributing to, towards the safety culture within the yard. My name's Colin Barr and I'm the HSCQ manager for the Libra project. Approximately 3,000 people we would have um, working between day shift and night shift. So that's an awful lot of people. And we've already reached 15.4 million man hours LTI free as well. My name is Daniel Figueiredo. I'm the operations manager and the deputy project director for Libra Project. The, the, the complete team is 162 right now. We are in the peak. There's a lot of people because and most of these are the inspectors for the, the construction and so on. And then, of course, inside that you have 40, 40 plus for the commissioning, which is, of course, where the peak now. Uh, we are starting, of course, to ramp up the operations, so I have around 37 persons in, in my team. Hi, my name is John Graham, and I'm the Holland Marine Construction Lead for Libra FPSO. So basically, when the vessel arrived, we started with the demolition work. That was roughly 3,300 tons of demolition. Then in structural renewals, reinforcements and additions, we've done around 8,000 tons for the marine scope alone. And piping-wise, for marine, we've done 10,600 spools. 
26,000 screws overall for the project. And then for cabling for the marine, uh, we've done 300,000 meters of cabling renewals uh, or new cables for new systems. My name is Jorgen Thorsen and I'm the punch list coordinator on the Libra project. It's insanely intricate and full of details that you take for granted when you're walking around offshore, but when you see it being built, it's uh, really awe-inspiring. But there are 869 subsystems, which is quite a lot. And then you can think of all the wiring and valves and piping. So the amount of inspections and actual bits and pieces, it's in the millions that goes together and has to fit together. The FBSO fleet also includes a few donut-shaped FBSOs that joined the fleet following TK's 2011 investment in Savan Marine, an offshore technology leader based in Arundel in Norway. The cylindrical design of the units reduces vessel weather veining on the water and, well, well, they just look cool. The hulls can be repurposed for different needs, including units for maintenance and safety, aka floating hotels, which TK Offshore has also invested in. Those of us in the Vancouver office vividly remember the town hall presentation of the Savan technology, and everyone was wowed by the sophistication of the product. Then there is the high load unit, an offshore clamp that turns a tanker into a shuttle tanker. Voila! Although some of these investments have had commercial challenges, they showcase the tech-first approach to the shipping and energy industries that is a hallmark of the TK Offshore franchise. And you only have to look at the design of the long-distance tugs of TK Offshore Offshoot ALP to get some wow factor going. Who said shipping isn't cool? These towing bollard pull behemoths look sharp, and because each vessel has a drone on board, we get to see some tremendous videos of their spectacular tows around the world, which are even better than the spectacular views from the ALP Rotterdam office. The latest step in the TK offshore journey is the shuttle contract they secured to service the offshore rigs off the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador in Canada, with three heritage-class new buildings, Dorset Spirit, Beothic Spirit and Norse Spirit. For the TK staff over on the other coast in the Vancouver office, it was a welcome return of operational life to Canada. Although the sheer scale of the country meant that our Norwegian colleagues were physically closer to St. John's than Vancouver, and the time zones were evenly split. It took a whole day to get from one Canadian office to the other. Luckily, many of us still got to kiss the cod during the honorary Newfoundlander screech-in. So, to everyone in the TK Atlantic team and across the whole of TK Offshore, long may a big jib draw. Google it. Phew. Well, we'll pause there for now. This has been an incomplete archival trace of TK plus Offshore over the last 20 years from killing a moose to kissing a cod as we bid adieu from TK to our offshore friends. Everyone has a story to tell. People like us who did things like this. Cheerio.